Welcome to Step Family Mission Possible Podcast, the podcast that helps you create the step family life you want to live right now. And it also shows you how you can leave a legacy for your blended family. Hi there, we're Bill and Jen Rogers, and we help Christian step family couples turn what feels impossible into step family mission possible. How do we do that, you may ask? On each episode, we bring you ideas and strategies you can start implementing right away. We help you create a vision, a kingdom legacy that relies on God's best for your stepfamily. So if you're ready to ditch the chaos caused by high-conflict stepfamily norms, regain intimacy for you as a couple, and begin to live your kingdom legacy right now, you're in the right place. Welcome to Step Family Mission Possible. You are family here. Hey there, before we get started, I want to share with you a few things that are in the hopper. This month, Bill and I will participate in several training opportunities to continue to develop our pastoral care skills, hone our expertise as coaches, and invest in our own Step Family Kingdom legacy. All this while we get ready to open the doors to our Step Family Couples Membership Program, unveil our superpowers quiz just for you, step family couple, and present live workshops. This month is loaded with great stuff. As we equip ourselves with new resources, we're going to put the podcast on hiatus for the month of October, and we'll be back ready to rumble with new stories, adventures, and special guests at the beginning of November. We pray you enjoyed this episode of Step Family Mission Possible, and we encourage you to subscribe and catch up on prior episodes during our hiatus. Thanks so much. God bless you, family. All right. In last week's episode, we gave three tips as far as blending well together when you are managing conflict. This week, we want to have a conversation about how that really leads into a kingdom step family. Kingdom step family, boy, those are two words that some people wouldn't put together. But I would ask this question. Does being a Christian make a difference in your step family? Well, it depends on if the flesh wins out, Mm. like, you know, yesterday, (laughs) or if Christ reigns and I lean into him and respond according to his principles. I guess I said it depends. What it looks like is which area I lean into, but the promises of God remain regardless of the actions that I choose. That would be true in any case. And we've said a number of times that it doesn't matter to God that you're a step family. You still have the blessings and the calling of a family. Correct? Correct. So Correct. when we think of our step family legacy, sometimes we get caught up in the word step. Now, it really is true that the challenges that we face, they are unique. They are things that trip us up differently, cause maybe more headaches or more angst in certain areas. But in terms of our commitment to God and God's commitment to us, does it really change? I think that goes to our tagline where we emphasize you are family here. 
And that came to us because we realized that we were focusing so much on the step. It really is easy to get distracted by that or to focus on that for an extended period of time. But what I know about God is God is unchanging. Regardless of how much I change, God is unchanging. I need to lean into that to understand his promises for our family. And I think that those promises, I love the way you put that, because I think I think that those promises should be an encouragement to us. They, they're things that God says, look, I get it. You made mistakes in the past. Who doesn't? You all make mistakes, okay? You're human. That's why I came. <laughs> I came to correct, to redeem your mistakes. Now let's move forward. Just because you've made mistakes in the past, you're not, your identity is not your mistakes. And that's true of step families. I think we first, if we're going to leave a step family legacy that we talk about, the first thing we've got to do is leave the baggage behind in the sense that that doesn't define who I am. If I'm a Christian, then God loves me just like he loves anybody. There's no stigma attached to being step. Sure. I do know that several episodes ago, we talked about we bring our baggage with us. So when we get remarried, we think that we weren't really part of the problem. (laughs) And what we discover is that in that luggage is a lot of what undealt with Mm-hmm. needs mm-hmm. or hurts, wounds, right. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure that we're not sending a mixed message here about this luggage that comes with us. I also want to speak a little bit to identity. So several years ago, I went through a job shift in the sense that I call it resign fired. Like it was a mutual, <laughs> I resign, you're fired. And it was traumatic. And it rocked my world for a long time. It had me questioning my identity. It also had me leaning in to learning more about who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. And through that process, I know that I can relate that to what we're talking about right here as far as our identity in Christ. Our identity about who He says we are is the same regardless of the situational adventures that we are experiencing. Yet, when we're in them, we don't always see that. No, that's that's very true. What I love about your testimony there is you said, well, that caused me to learn more about Christ along the way. And I can remember those times. I can remember how difficult that was for you. But I also remember that Christ provided for us every step of the way through that process. I know that sometimes God is going to challenge us. I mean, we are step in the sense that we've made the mistakes. So God has some training to do, and he's going to do his training. If God says, hey, time for me to get in and clean that closet, we like to say, oh, God, come on, stay out of that closet. That closet, You can go anywhere in the house but that closet. You say that to God, he's going for the closet, (laughs) right? He's going for the closet because he wants us to be whole. He wants us to be at peace with ourself as well as with him, right? So I guess the, the whole point is to say there has to be forgiveness. 
And, and I mean forgiveness for ourselves. We have to get to that place where that word step becomes smaller. And I realize I'm a family. This is a family. It doesn't matter how many spokes the family has and in which directions it goes. This is a family. And a family operates the best according to God's kingdom principles. A family does operate the best according to kingdom principles. That's a good word. As you were talking, I was thinking about how many times we are reminded that we are step. We just had a conversation with Nathan. Where's your shirt? Is it at this house? Is it at school? Or is it at your mom's house? Mm -hmm. And he... He's not really sure. Well, it could be here, it could be there, and it could be the other place. I find those situations very frustrating. Sure. And in my mind, I know this is still where I go, that if we were a quote-unquote normal family, we wouldn't be dealing with this nonsense. But we would be dealing with something it would just be something else. Yeah, that does not occur to me at all. I am focused <laughs> on the where is the shirt because we're ha- because we're experiencing this because we're step. I'm just being honest. This is what I do understand that that you just being honest. We've had these conversations certainly many times. My point is this, I, and I say this, you know, I say this from the pulpit a lot. The only people that don't have problems are those that are in the, in grave. the grave. In the grave. Right. So, so we thank God that we have problems because problems are what make us alive. Problems are what give us the challenge. God is never going to let us skate. He's never going to let us just coast through without any tests, trials, and difficulties. And if it isn't this test and trial, it's going to be some test and trial. I think this speaks to the legacy roadmap we will continue to talk about as far Mm -hmm. as understanding that when these things go in a direction that we don't want them to go, that we really need to lean into our partner's strengths, that we need Mm -hmm. to learn to love what our partner brings to the table. Well, see, that's a good example. Our dog just came to the door and he wanted to learn to love what we were bringing to the table. No, he did not. He just wanted to barge right in and what a mistake thing. On, on the podcast. <laughs> good thing we have the mute and the pause buttons. But it's it, it, it's such a good point because learning to love what your partner brings to the table is not easy when you've been through it all before. All of a sudden, things are going the same as they did before. And I'm saying, no! What? Do I learn through those processes? How can I learn to love what you bring to the table, for example, if I don't even like myself? I don't even mm. like the things that I'm doing. Yeah, I, it's such a great question. It really is difficult to lean into that. I love you when you're really angry. Sure. Or when you're disappointed about something, or you know that the outcome is not going to go the way that you want it to go. That brings me to the point that I wanted to make. Does it make a difference that we're Christians? Because that's where and we read Malachi earlier this week. The whole theme in the book of Malachi is take God seriously. What would happen in our step families, if we all decided, you know what? 
I'm going to take God seriously. I'm not going to take myself seriously. I'm not even necessarily going to take everything that bothers me necessarily about my partner or about my kids. So I'm not going to take that stuff seriously, but I'm going to take God seriously. And I'm going to learn what he says about these things. And challenges are going to be there, but it opens up a whole new way of thinking. We sing this song in worship. They'll know we are Christians Mm. by our love. By our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. There are some times that if there was a drone flying over the home, or one of those, I don't know, microphone, cricket microphones or something in one of the thriller novels listening in on conversations, they would not know that we are Christians in this household by our love. Or they would think that speaking love is really um, contentious. You know, I would I would say that is true sometimes. Sure. But there are definitely other times when they absolutely would hear the music of joy and hear the laughter of Christ in our home. The point is, if we are going to take God seriously and be a family, the bad goes with the good. It's not realistic to expect that everything is going to be smooth sailing all the time. Yet we have this idea that when things go wrong, things are really, really wrong. And it makes me think about the spiritual highs and the spiritual lows. Just thinking about Jesus' baptism, that is a spiritual high. He is nourished from his Father in heaven who is declaring This is my son. I am well pleased with him. It is not just for Jesus' ears only. Listen to him. Listen to him, sure. Immediately thereafter, he is in an extreme spiritual low. I wonder if I could somehow get it in my head when I'm ready to go over the edge to say, Whoa, wait a minute. This is a spiritual low alert, 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 and speak into it using the words of God. So that to your second point about taking God seriously, when we take God seriously, I think the point that you wanted to make was that's where our success as a family lies, that when we take him seriously, Mm -hmm. that is the success that leaves clues for why a family thrives. Yeah, and and most of us, many of us, certainly not all of us, but many of us have been divorced. We've gone through some great pain and great angst uh, maritally. We certainly don't want to go through that again. But we have to learn the lessons, don't we? We do. We have to learn the lessons because if we're really going to take God seriously, we have to admit and know God hates divorce. I think a lot of people struggle with that statement that Mm. God hates divorce and that sometimes gets wrapped up in the shame that people experience when they sit in church because we make assumptions about what people are thinking about us, or we actually have feedback or harsh statements from people questioning Mm -hmm. what we're doing, getting married again, or starting a family Mm -hmm. again post-divorce. So it 
It is, divorce is tricky. Yes, God hates divorce. I continue to learn more about what that really means and what that looks like. And my ideas about my understanding of why God hates divorce have changed. And also the the tentacles of it are deeper than... I have more hurt associated with the hurt of God over divorce now than I did the hurt that I had inside myself over my own hurt, if that makes sense. It does make sense. That's a twofold street. And I would describe it this way. So when you're hurting, so am I, because we love each other. When you're hurting, I hurt. There's never a time that you are hurting that I'm rejoicing. It just wouldn't happen because I love you. So to understand why God hates divorce, it, it, it we need to see his omniscience. We need to be able to say he would spare us the pain that we all go through. He would spare us the, you're not my mom. We've read so many tales, you know, of of step families that well, we have four step kids and three of them love me and one hates me, and and, and we've we've seen that and we've seen the the utter pain that goes through that. Well, what do I do about this? God would spare us that, but we also have been blessed in our marriage and in our family that God trusts us to go through. The valley. And the valley's not easy. It's never easy. But the difference is this. By being a Christian, I know this. I know that God walks through the valley with me. And if I could say that to anybody out there who's hurting today, this too will pass. There is a blessing on the other side of obedience. And sometimes we want to give up. We want to throw in the towel. I'm I'm done with you. Don't. Because there's a blessing on the other side of obedience. To get there, sometimes it takes humility. Sometimes it takes uh, repentance. Sometimes it takes forgiveness. All kinds of things. But if we're going to take God seriously, then that's where we have to be willing to go. I think about the expression, lay it at the foot of the cross. Mm. There have been many times where I have written just that in my journal, that I don't know what to do with this. There are other times that I write, I'm not willing to give it to you right now. (laughs) And God, I know you know, you know what's in my heart, but I'm not willing to give it to you right now. Because if I give it to you right now, then I must admit that I had a part in it, that I have some responsibility in the conflict that is occurring. I may not want to acknowledge that. And I may, God may have some work yet to do mm-hmm. uh, for me to get to the point where I am truly repentant, where I understand that in God's kingdom, He does intend to bless my family. He calls me to obedience. Mm-hmm. And when I disobey, he cannot reward my disobedience. No, he cannot. He does not reward your disobedience, but he doesn't go Gestapo on us either. I mean, the way he treats us is he brings us through that trial again. I mean, typically what will happen if I 
don't learn what God wanted me to learn through any trial is that I'll go through the test and I fail. <laughs> and then God says, okay, okay, son. All right, let's learn this again. Get up on the bike. Let's learn to pedal it again. When I think you're ready, I'm going to test you again. We've talked about why is it that we tend to go through the same things over and over again? It's because God will not leave that closet uncleaned. He won't. There is, there is no way we can say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, to everything, but no, Lord, to this. No and Lord don't go together. <laughs> they just don't. <laughs> so if God has his finger on an area of my life, he's not going to forget about it. For the first two points, in God's kingdom, he truly does want to bless our family mm-hmm. and have us focus on him Right. And what he has called us to, mm-hmm. to be stewards as we co-parent right. in his kingdom. Right. There's no, again, uh, point one I said was that there's no step in, in God's kingdom. In God's kingdom, he's not concerned with step. He's concerned with family. Mm-hmm. You are family here. Mm-hmm. That's why we say that. And, and point two is if we're going to take God seriously, it means he gets to be God and not me. It's an amazing thing. And the third thing I would say to add to those two points is that if we're going to take God seriously and be kingdom families, then we've got to do things his way or by his order. What I mean by that is in our society, we've lost the idea of spiritual headship, of accountability before God. And of family structure and order. When we read in Psalm 128, for example, it says, Blessed is is the family that gathers around the table. And the father teaches his children the word of God around the table. And God blesses the family. And then they go out into society and make a difference. Would we not say that's what we've lost in this society? Not just in step families, in all families. We've lost the idea of family structure. I would agree with that. It makes me think of my good friend and colleague, Catherine, who talks about that quite a bit in her work with companies where she says there are expectations out there on behalf of employers, for example. Yet, the people who are coming to work haven't grown up with the same experiences. They haven't grown up having those conversations around the table. Mm -hmm. As we know, many of them have grown up with their faces in screens. What we consider to be norm and expected behavior, without thinking about it, they have no idea because they haven't been fed into at the dinner table physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Mm -hmm. But, but I would, I would submit that a Christian family, a Christian step family operating in God's kingdom principles is going to be far better off than a non step family not doing so. And this is where I mean, all of us know, as Christians, we've all been adopted into God's family. We know Paul tells us we've been grafted in, grafted into that. Again, there's no stigma to step 
and the kingdom of God when we're willing to obey him and do things his way. One of the big points that I have is men in our society, well, in all societies, but men need to step up. Men need to be men. How many of the step family bulletin boards are, you know, you go through it and it's, it's 99% the women. I don't know if it's 99%, but it's probably pretty close to that, that yes, definitely there are women in the forums seeking help, seeking guidance. It's just what we talk about when we encourage people to come into coaching programs and membership programs that you go and learn from someone who has gone down the road that you're about to go down. And it's typically the women with the rope around the men pulling them into the program instead of coming together and identifying it as an opportunity to invest in your marriage and invest in your kingdom family. Yeah. And I would say that ought not be in the sense that if you're going to be a kingdom man and you're going to take seriously your responsibility as a husband, as a father, and especially as a Christian man, then you are the leader of your home. And as such, you're the one who should be bringing your wife. (laughs) You should be leading the charge and saying, you know what? We don't have it all together here. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with admitting that you don't have it all together. I don't have it all together. Neither do I. (laughs) And we don't as a step family couple, but we're willing to learn. But the greatest thing that happens there is when you humble yourself and you say, I need help, is God always sends someone into your life who not only becomes a a helper, but a dear friend too, and someone who can help you get to that next stage. Well, we do struggle with asking for help because we want to come across with we've got it together, that we're okay, or we have some messages playing over in our head about it's not it not being okay to reach out. I think that that's where the distinction between the different types of help that you can seek out comes into play. So we mm-hmm. obviously we emphasize coaching. And we also do some pastoral care, but Mm -hmm. we emphasize coaching at Step Family Mission Possible. But Mm -hmm. there is also therapy and there's psychological counseling. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes people have the assumption that something is wrong with them when they do seek help. And I would say that it's not necessarily that something is wrong. What it is, is that we are ill-equipped for the task. I'm going to go back to what occurred several years ago when I was no longer employed. I was not equipped to do what we're doing right now. I, I We had just gotten married. Right. <laughs> How could I possibly mm-hmm. be equipped? And we experienced a lot of lessons in the school of hard knocks. Sure. But what, what hindsight being 2020 also says now you were being equipped. That was occurring because what that caused is you asked a lot of questions 
and said, what do I need to be about? So you taught some women's Bible studies, which were amazing, which you learned a great deal about yourself and were a tremendous resource for other people, built up some fantastic friendships, all of that. We got stronger in our churches. These things all occurred. And meanwhile, as I said, God was providing for our needs his way. And I dare say, we wouldn't be where we are now had you not gone through that experience. That's true. It is very true. That's where my sense in this conversation is that instead of focusing on the outcome that we want, we know that we want to go in a specific direction. And we emphasize that when we're talking about building your legacy roadmap. We want Mm -hmm. couples to say, hey, 10 years down the road, let's just throw a bunch of spaghetti on the wall. What would 10 years down the road look like? How would you want to describe your family? Mm-hmm. Where, What stages are your kids in and who do you want them to become? So it's not that we're driving blind, but we, we can't possibly predict what the outcome will be, but we can have a target for the direction that we want to move. And in having that target and in, in developing that roadmap, What really comes out of that is your values. Absolutely. What is it that is driving that vision? It's what you believe in. It's what you value most. And as you come together, blending families, you have a lot of values that could compete against the other. As we talked about the difference Mm -hmm. between Mm -hmm. peacemaking and consistency a couple episodes ago. That those are great values, yet when they come in conflict, it creates an opportunity for a decision as a couple. And what is your value as a couple so that you can get to that 10-year plan, if you will? I love that. And I love that, you know, we've done some great planning, uh, 10-year planning kind of things. We've done it for our church. We've done it for our family at at various uh, um, junctures. But one of the, you know, when we talk about legacy, the why is yield to God's best for your family. What I love about that is it's not yield to the best for your family. It's yield to God's best. That pre-assumes that God cares more about my family than I do. And he does. So... We may go around about road and we don't know what's going on, but God always does. And he's always saying, you know, you say, God, why are you allowing this to happen? (laughs) Just watch. I'm not finished yet. And that would be my encouragement to any step family listening is you're not finished yet. You're not a finished product. Well, in our instant order society, I think that is where it becomes even more challenging Mm -hmm. to have patience and to wait for the things to come or to know that it's going to take time to build into whatever it is that you are pursuing. So that doesn't have anything to do with a step family. It has everything to do with going back to what equipment do you have? And if you don't have the right equipment, if you haven't had a conversation about your values, it's an important conversation to have. If you haven't had a conversation about, hey, 10 years from now, this is what I want our marriage to look like. 
That's an important conversation to have. And what happens is we get caught up in the busyness of life and we don't take time out for those conversations. Time being the key, right? I mean, we've often said love is spelled T-I-M-E. And certainly we would all agree that if I'm not spending time with my spouse and my family, I'm certainly not going to have great relationships. But that time has to be intentional to be effective. It does. It does. I want to speak before we hit the end record button. I'm not, I wasn't sure what I was going to call it, but before we hit the end of the recording, I want to speak to the couples who are listening right now, or if you're listening on your own, what my hope is for you is that you hear, even when you feel like things are out of control, things are never out of God's control. That's right. And that in God's kingdom, he does want the best for you. The way to discover what his best for you is, is to be in prayer and to take the time to ask him, what is your best for me? I think of Psalm 4610, Hmm. be still and know that I am God. So that's in my version of the Bible. But I know there's another version out there that the words are actually cease striving. And I wrote a note in my Bible in the margin, Jennifer, cease striving in your own power. Oh, that's a good word. Because I like things, I know this may surprise you, I like things to go the way that I want them to go. Yeah. Careful. They never (laughs) seem to though, because that's, uh, that would be too easy for you. It would be too easy. And I wouldn't like that either. Do you remember one of the things you told me when we were courting? Yes. Yes, I do. What do you think I'm thinking? I already know what you're thinking. (laughs) That I told you something about how I needed you to challenge me. Why do you remember that? Don't make it too easy. Don't be a pushover. Yeah, don't be a pushover. And I would say I haven't been. So that's been a challenge. (laughs) Yes, it has. Yes, it has. But that's good. And I think one of the things I know we do is we take God seriously. One of the things I would love to help anyone do is learn how to take God seriously. There's no greater privilege I have as a pastor and a man of God than helping people learn to take God seriously. I love that. I'm thinking that the way to do that again is through the power of prayer. Now I know based on my experience with many women in having these conversations in Bible studies and in the grocery checkout aisle, that there are many men and women who do not pray over each other Mm. or with each other. Mm. That's really an open invitation for Satan to come in and wreak havoc in God's best for your marriage and for your stepfamily. I encourage people who are listening right now to take the time today to pray for your spouse. Specifically, pray for God's best for them. Not on how you want them to behave, but on what you sense is God's best for them 
and pray these prayers of protection for your spouse. They are so powerful. I wonder if you could speak to that from the man's perspective. Clearly, I can speak to it from my perspective, how beautiful it is when you pray over me in particular. But to know that you pray for me is powerful, and it gives me confidence and security too. Yeah, I would say this to the man, God has made you the spiritual head of your household. That doesn't mean you're better. It doesn't mean that you've got it all together because you certainly don't. It means that you have the anointing and the calling of God to call his blessings upon your family. When you look at Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and how they blessed their children and their wives, they blessed them with prayers of blessing. God honored those prayers. God honors our prayers, and he honors our leadership. And one of these days, we're going to stand before the Lord as stewards, and he's going to say, what did you do to manage what I gave you? And even though it might be your second marriage or or even beyond that, God has given you this woman, men, to take care of, to care for, to love, to pray over, to cherish. He's given He's lent them to you for you to bless them. So bless them. And when you do so, trust this. God will bless you. And that's a promise in the scriptures. It's a great promise. So take God seriously. Live your kingdom family legacy. And when we do things his way, I think things will make much more sense. (laughs) For sure. Hey, if you'd like some help, in developing your stepfamily legacy, just reach out to us. Go to our website at stepfamilymissionpossible.com. And if you have questions about today's episode or you'd like more information on how you can move from where you are to where you want to be, connect with us at our website and book a free consult. You'll find it right away on the tab. God bless you all.